But I was saying that one thing I really enjoyed about YWAM was that they would run these discipleship training schools. And you know, the Great Commission says, go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that also says, teaching them all that I have commanded you. Now, there's a problem in Christianity these days because people celebrate someone giving their heart to Jesus Christ, but then they leave that person like a newborn baby on the doorstep because they need to get the full package. They need to follow Jesus through the waters of baptism. They need an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And YWAM would take people through that training course. And whenever Ron ran a DTS, he would ask me to come and speak to the new Christians as well. And it was a real privilege to share with those expectant people who had given their lives to Jesus who were really excited about what God had for them in their lives. So what does becoming a Christian really involve? And how can we be sure that we are saved and that new believers are getting the full package in this church? One of my favourite Christian authors is a guy called R.T. Kendall. And he tells a story from his childhood in one of his books. I just want to read a short segment to you. He said, Our neighbours never went to church. They smoked, drank heavily and used bad language. One day, 16-year-old son Mick was going to be baptised. On the way to the service, he said, I'll be glad when this is all over. I've been trying to live straight all week. I haven't even used bad language. But after tonight, I won't have to worry anymore. After I get baptised, I can live as I please. I can go back to the way I was before, but I'll be saved. And you see, a lot of people want to go to heaven and they see declaring a faith in Jesus as a ticket to heaven. But is that the full package? There are four key requirements to becoming a Christian. First, we have to believe in our heart that Jesus is the Son of God and that Jesus rose from the dead after he was crucified, that Jesus conquered death. Secondly, we've got to repent of our sin. And those things in our life that we know are wrong, we have got to ask God to help us to deal with those areas so that we can live a righteous, holy life. The third thing is to be baptised or to confess before other people our faith in Jesus Christ. Romans 10 verse 9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and with your mouth that you confess 
and are saved. And that's what happens when we're baptised. When we're baptised, we've got to pull under the stage there and we're saying, look, everyone, I am letting you know that I am a believer in Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I want you to know that. I'm going to try and live a good life for Jesus and I know that I need his power to help me in that. And so confession is really saying, I was wrong. I agree with you, God. I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. I'm sorry for trying to do things my own way. God, please change my heart. Help me to live my life to please you. I'm giving my life to you now, Jesus. And then in Matthew 10, verse 32 and 33, it says, Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will also disown before my Father in heaven. And so being baptised is the biblical way of confessing our faith in Jesus. Baptism makes it known publicly that we are not ashamed of Jesus, that we are prepared to come out of hiding and to suffer the consequences that often go with being a Christian. What happens in our hearts needs to be declared in front of other people. The thing is, if we don't take that step, then we don't have the power to live the life. When I was a teenager, I wanted to sort of be popular with my mates, but my dad was a Baptist minister. And I um, was expected to go to inter-school Christian fellowship at school. And if I didn't go, my brother would tell my parents and I'd be in trouble. And so I'd be sort of having lunch with my mates and then it was time for ISCF and I'd sort of slink off as though I was going to the toilet or something and then go off to the meeting. But the problem was I had a fear of man. I wanted to be popular with my mates. And then they had this Jesus march in Dunedin and I was supposed to go and I'm thinking, oh no, what will my friends see when, say when they see me walking down the street with all those Christians? But confession of our faith is an ongoing thing. It's not something we do once and then we forget about. But when we put our hand up and we say, Jesus, I believe in you. I want to walk this life. I want to die to myself. I want to live for you. He actually gives us the power to live the life. That when you're trying to do it in your own strength, you will fail. And I didn't get baptised until I was 27 because, one, I was thinking I'd be embarrassed if I was baptised and, two, I didn't think I was good enough to be baptised. I was a bad person and I didn't realise that when I actually gave my heart to the Lord that he came into my life in a special way and gave me the power to live the life and the desire to live the life. And so if you aren't prepared to take that step, then you are probably struggling with walking the Christian life. 
In James 4 verse 6 it says, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. And when we're baptised, we're humbling ourselves. We're saying, I don't care what you guys think. What God thinks about me is most important. And then also in Galatians 2.20 it says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so basically we're saying, God, I can't make it on my own, but I want to die to myself and I want to live for you. So Lord, take away all my selfish ambition. Take away my pride, my fear of man. Lord, live through me. And when we're prepared to do that, that can lead to us receiving the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives. There's a story in Acts 19 in the Bible where Paul visited Ephesus. But he saw no evidence of the Holy Spirit in the lives of the new believers there. And so he asked them in verse 1 and 2, he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they replied, we've never heard of the Holy Spirit. We didn't know that there was such a thing. And then in verse 5 and 6, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul placed his hands on them and the Holy Spirit came upon them. You know, that was half of my problem as well when I was a kid. I didn't have the power to live the life. And when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and empowers us and gives us courage and guides us and gives us wisdom, then we're able to journey with God in a special way. And so the main reason for being filled with the Holy Spirit is so that we have the power to live the life, but we also have the gifts of the Holy Spirit that enable us to minister to others. Some people want spiritual gifts. You'd love to have the gift of healing or the, the word of knowledge where God tells you things about certain people. We, we treat the gifts like toys that we want to play with. But in actual fact, the spiritual gifts are given to us so that we can minister to people in the name of Jesus and see those people helped by the Holy Spirit. So when we empty ourselves of our pride and our selfish ambition, the Holy Spirit is able to take the place of all that negative stuff and fill us with his Spirit. And then we can learn to walk in the Spirit and learn to reproduce the character of Jesus Christ. In John 15 verse 4, Jesus tells us how that he is the vine. And he says, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And so we need to stay connected with the Lord. You know, when Jesus ascended into heaven, he said to his disciples, don't worry about the fact that I'm going. 
I'm actually leaving you the Holy Spirit who will live in you, who will lead you into all truth. And if we are full of the Holy Spirit, it's as though Jesus is with us. Because when we want to do something or we need guidance and direction, we can say, God, what will I do? What do you want me to do in this situation? How do I help this person with this need? And God will speak to us. He will lead us. He will guide us. He will strengthen us. And in Philippians 3 verses 13 and 14, it says that we are to press on toward the goal to win the prize. Now, there are some people that, that say, once saved, always saved. But from my reading and understanding of the Bible and the teaching of David Pawson on this, that we are on a journey. And when we get to the end of our journey, we will receive a crown. If we resist the Lord's leading and we go off on our own path and we wave God goodbye and we say we don't need you anymore, he's not going to come begging for you to come to heaven if you choose to wander away. I would like to, to give a sermon one day on this whole thing of once saved, always saved because the Bible clearly tells us that we can lose our salvation if we turn away from God. And unfortunately, a lot of churches are preaching an easy gospel these days. They're saying, look, believe in Jesus. He'll give you everything you want. But in actual fact, it's through much tribulation that we enter the kingdom of God and we have to endure to the end. God has a special purpose for each one of our lives. Have you discovered your purpose and your spiritual gifts? Have you stepped into the destiny that God has for you? Until we discover our particular function and role, we will feel frustrated and confused. Discovering our call and our purpose brings new energy and enthusiasm into our lives. Imagine if you'd never seen one of these before. What would you think it was? I mean, obviously, it's a plunger for cleaning out blocked sinks. But if you'd never seen one and you're thinking, what is that? Well, maybe it's a hat for bald people. <laughs> maybe it's a, a bird bath for, for tiny birds. You can probably think of a few uses for something like this. You could put it on the ground and throw quoits over it. The fact is that we have been made by God for a special purpose. We each have a unique design and God has a unique purpose for each of our lives. God created each one of us with a specific purpose in mind. When we understand that God is in control of our lives, it's easier to see his good and his purpose in everything we encounter in life. We've been doing this series on the life of Joseph. And so Joseph eventually became Prime Minister of Egypt. 
But then his brothers were in Canaan where there was famine. And they had to come to Egypt for food. And Joseph recognized his brothers. And he gave them food. And imagine how they felt when they learned that he was now Prime Minister of Egypt. The brother that they'd sold into slavery. And they're thinking, wow, what's he going to do to us? Is he going to get revenge? Is he going to put us in prison? Is he going to kill us? And so in Genesis 45 verse 5, Joseph said to his brothers, Now don't you be upset. Don't blame yourselves because you sold me here. It was really God that sent me ahead of you to save people's lives. God is at work even when things go terribly wrong in our lives. Even in those unfair circumstances of Joseph's life, God was in control. Joseph didn't doubt God's purpose in sending him off to Egypt. And then he said to his brothers in Genesis 50 verse 20, You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so that I could save the lives of many people. Joseph knew that it was spite and jealousy that led his brothers to do what they did to him. But that didn't stop Joseph from believing that God was still in control. And so we also can trust God just like Joseph did. God can take the wrongs that are done to us and our own mistakes and use them for his good and for his purpose. Isaiah 55 verse 9 tells us, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. We don't always see the big picture at the time of tragedy in our lives. We don't need to continually grieve over the mistakes that we've made in our lives. God is in control even when things go wrong. You know, my dad uh, was an officer in the New Zealand Army and he served in northern India. And at the end of the Second World War, all the troops were flying back to New Zealand. And he was a captain. And he was on this flight to leave India. And he gets to the airport and he finds that he has been put off the flight that he was supposed to be on and put on a later flight. He could have used his rank and, and said, well, look, hang on a minute, I'm a captain and I want to go on this flight, I want to get home as quickly as possible. But he did nothing. And that plane crashed, the one that he was supposed to be on, and was never seen or heard of again. If my dad was on that plane, I wouldn't be here today. We don't know the reasons behind the events in our lives. And so we're to move forward. We're to let go of the hurts of the past and we're to trust that God is in control of our lives. 
Romans 8.28 And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Here's that word purpose again. God has a purpose for your life, a purpose for my life. We want to fulfill his purpose for our lives. God spoke his purpose over our lives when he created us. And if we're walking the path that he's mapped out for us, we can be sure that he is working for our good in every situation. The spiritual gifts that God gives us are significantly related to his purpose for our lives. We can ask ourselves, Lord, what have you gifted me to do? What am I good at? What things get me excited in life? In John 10 verse 10, Jesus said, I have come that you may have life in all its fullness. Our God is a good God. He wants us to have fun. He wants us to enjoy life as we serve him. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is about the gifts of the Spirit, and it lists a few of them. And it says here that a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. Our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part where he wants it. God has put the body together such that extra honour and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. God has given each one of us a special gift. And as we learn what our gifts are, and we serve God in this church, in this community, in this town, then we can be very effective and God can mightily use us. God's heart is for people. He made all of us because he wants to have a relationship with us. All of the spiritual gifts are for helping people. When we use our gifts in that way, God gives us direction. Joseph clearly had a gift of administration. When he was a slave in Potiphar's house, he was put in charge of the whole house. Even when he was in prison, he ended up organising the whole prison. And then he organised the whole nation of Egypt. When we step into God's destiny, he reveals the specific details of his plan for our life. We'll one day look back just like Joseph did and we'll understand why we went through certain situations in our lives. John Wesley was a famous evangelist in the 18th century and he determined to obey God. But when he started his ministry, things were particularly difficult. I just want to read you some things from the diary that he kept in May 1738. Sunday morning, May the 5th, last Sunday, he preached at St Anne's and was asked not to come back again. In the afternoon, he preached at St John's. The deacons had a meeting and said, get out and stay out. Sunday morning, May the 12th, it's 
today. He preached at St. Jude's. Can't go back there either. In the afternoon, he preached at St. George's. Kicked out again. Sunday morning, May the 19th, next Sunday, he preached at St. Peter's. Deacons had a meeting and said, I couldn't return. In the afternoon, he preached on the street and was kicked off the street. Sunday morning, May the 26th, in the morning he preached in a meadow. A bull was turned loose during the service. <laughs> Sunday, June the 2nd in the morning, he preached at the edge of town and was kicked off the highway. Afternoon service, he preached in a pasture. 10,000 people came to hear the gospel. John Wesley knew his purpose, but he didn't know the specifics of his purpose. He could have easily given up after all those rejections, but he had a pre preaching gift, and he nurtured that gift, and that gift provided the direction for his life, and his faithfulness to God carried him on into his destiny. He became the greatest evangelist and revivalist in the 18th century. Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You know, in Bible days, a lamp was a very weak light. It provided just enough light so that you could see your next step. And we may not know what is at the end of the road for us, but as we are faithful and we walk in the direction that God has revealed to us, we will find our purpose. And so it's important that we trust that God is in control, that we allow him to direct our steps toward his purpose. So where are you on your spiritual journey this morning? If you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, that's the greatest starting point. If you've never been baptised, then that is an obvious next step. And as we obey him, he reveals to us the next step and then the one after that. As we faithfully use our gifts, when he leads us, we will fulfil our destiny. Some of us may end up serving overseas like Stephanie Christensen or the Floreses. Some may be a bright light for Jesus in the workplace here in Topol or in your family life. Faithfulness to the Lord holds us steady through every single storm that we encounter. What is your next step in the Lord this morning? Is he asking you to be baptised? Maybe you've ventured off the path that God has for your life. 